Hello and welcome to the Higher Enlightenment Podcast, brought to you by Higher Yields Cannabis Consulting, your seed-to-sale business solutions team. My name is Adam, part of the creative team here at Higher Yields. I'm your host, and today's episode is about the Southern States, with our guests, Corey Wagner, Mercedes Woods, and Emily Seelman. The Southern States have been holdouts in the emerging cannabis economy. However, they're starting to dip their toes in the waters of strengthening their state economies with the help of revenue and stability from cannabis businesses. In this episode, we dive into states like Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, and Louisiana to give you, our listeners, the best guidance possible in choosing which state is right for you and which opportunities will be the most lucrative in the coming years. So let's get on with the show. So for our first question, why have the southern states been slow to adopt cannabis as an economic opportunity? I think that there's still a lot of um, miseducation um, going around. So I think they're having trouble still with understanding, you know, the benefits um, of cannabis itself. Um, and so it's hard for them to see it as an economic opportunity. As of right now, they, they still, you know, see it as, as a drug um, and as something dangerous. Um, so I think even though, you know, you're seeing other states uh, benefit from it economically, I think that morally um, they're just not, they're not ready for that. They, they kind of see it as a moral issue more than as something that could be of um, a benefit to, to their state currently. Um, however, you know, I do think some states are taking measures into place, even though, you know, it's slow. Uh, for instance, Tennessee wasn't able to, you know, get a medical cannabis bill passed. Uh, but they did go ahead and pass a bill that created a study commission um, to consider medical cannabis for Tennessee um, and study it and kind of decide, you know, what would that bring to the state. Um, but it is interesting as well, because a lot of this uh, issue seems to still reside within the political sector of each of these southern states, um, because when looking at the percentages of, you know, who the people of those states and um, their agreement or disagreement with cannabis, um, it's still leaning towards the majority of people still agreeing that medical cannabis should be legalized in their state, even in these Southern states. So I think a lot of it is still tied up in uh, the political sector um, and in their feelings about it and kind of becoming, you know, the voice to decide um, to put that out there, I think is still uh, more taboo in, in a lot of these states. But um, I think they're attempting to make some progress, even though it is very, very slow in comparison to, you know, the rest of the country right now. Yeah, just to echo that, I, I think, um, you know, in the southern states, it's very conservative mentality. And, you know, as we move into new states, even states that currently have programs, there, um, there's still a lot of educating that has to be done. And I feel like in, in Southern states, you know, there's still this idea that cannabis is this drug and it's bad for you. And um, people are still very skeptical of the medicinal benefits, but 
we're starting to see a lot of traction down there. Um, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, um, as Mercedes was, was saying, Tennessee, uh, Florida, you know, was one of the first ones in the U.S. to actually regulate medical cannabis. So starting to see a lot of progress down there, which is really promising. So what social and cultural factors have impacted and will continue to impact the future of cannabis? Well, I think when it comes to a state introducing cannabis or the cannabis industry for the first time, that usually is focused around uh, patients, patient care, and, and medical. And then as you see a state adjust from a medical sector into adult use, that's when a state generally becomes more focused on how can we uh, support individuals who've been disproportionately impacted by prior cannabis laws? How can we um, define social equity to benefit the residents of our state or economic empowerment or provide opportunities for diverse-owned companies, women-owned, veteran-owned, things like that? It can sometimes be a focus in the medical uh, rounds as well. You'll see that in some states like Georgia, for example, is a great example of a Southern state who was very strict, had a very stringent medical program, but also focused on some equitable provisions, mainly uh, providing opportunities or a lower barrier of entry for residents of the state who were looking to apply. So I think as we see more and more states progress into the industry, we're seeing those two kind of siloed uh, focus areas start to blend. So when it's not, it's not just medical, it's not just social equity, it's not just diverse zone, but it's a blend of the two. Um, but usually it takes the footprint of medical focus first. They want to make sure the patients are protected. They have really stringent roles around the types of products that can, can be supplied. And then the focus shifts into adult use, which is how can we open up this program to more people? Which Southern states seem to be most open to a cannabis market? I think right now, um, Alabama, uh, even though it is pretty limited still, um, they're only going to be allowing, you know, 12 cultivation licenses, no more than four processor licenses um, for their medical program. They still are moving forward in a more similar matter to some of the other um, competitive states that we've seen um, throughout the U.S. and uh, are, are moving forward with legalizing medical and, and starting to have their application window set for um, you know, next September um, of 2022. So I think right now Alabama is looking very promising. Um, there was some hope for Mississippi, uh, but unfortunately, as of uh, May 14th of this year, um, the Mississippi Supreme Court um, decided that uh, they invalidated the constitutional amendment for medical cannabis. So um, kind of pushed them back a little more um, with that. And then, you know, some of the other states, um, such as, you know, Arkansas, even though it is legalized there, um, it's, it's very difficult and very expensive. They do it through surety bonds um, with the state and they can range anywhere from 100,000 to $500,000. So the barrier to entry is just very high. Um, and then of course we have Florida, which I think has the most potential for um, becoming legalized um, for adult use um, because they have had their medical cannabis program 
the longest. Um, so I do think that there is hope for that. Um, I think, you know, Texas is a hard one. Uh, I think it's very divided. I think, you know, you go to a place like Austin and, you know, they're decriminalizing it and really wanting to push for that medical legalization. But um, then you have other areas that, you know, are very against um, even the medical side. And, and the biggest kind of bill they've been able to pass is raising that low THC percentage from a half percent to one percent. So there's just not a lot of movement happening there in Texas still, um, even though I think that, you know, it would be a huge market if they did decide to legalize um, for medical and then eventually for adult use. But but overall, right now, I would say, you know, Florida and, and Alabama are kind of going to be moving um, the fastest of the of the southern states. Are any southern states opening up application rounds in the foreseeable future? Georgia just accepted applications and released the, the first round of scoring a few months ago. And Alabama seems to be, in my opinion, probably the closest one to uh, providing its RFP is the regulations are, are being formed right now. And it seems like we're starting to get a lot more traction, a lot seeing a lot more movement in Alabama from uh, potential clients. Yeah, Alabama is probably the, the one that everyone's got their eyes on because it's shaping up to look like Georgia's uh, program. And it's a it's an interesting blend of uh, a lot of different states um, all across the East Coast and Midwest um, to to build the the components of the bill. So I think that'll be an interesting state to watch, particularly because and it kind of goes back to your earlier question, Adam. This was one state where you kind of see that blend happening, where advocates really came in on the ground floor and saw an opportunity to not only make this a viable medical program, but also one that is far more inclusive than you would regularly see in, in medical programs in states. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, I know Arkansas is another one that it, it passed its bills and came up with its application processes a, a few years ago. Um, so that'll be one, I think, as the state grows and as demand grows um, or the industry grows in the state that will be one that I think we can we can watch for some further opportunities as well. Okay, so which types of cannabis businesses show the most promise in the southern states? Well, I'm, this is just my opinion, but I think whenever you see a state open up, a lot of people go after pursue cultivation licenses just because they're the ones who are going to be the suppliers to the state. So as demand grows, that just increases the opportunity for revenue uh, from well-run cultivation facilities. So, and you also see opportunities to become vertically integrated in states, especially in the Southern states that are opening up medical programs and kind of mimicking each other in form for those programs. So you'll see a segment of vertically integrated opportunities where individuals or teams can apply for licenses to operate uh, cultivation manufacturing or processing facilities, depending on the language used in the state and retail or dispensary facilities. So um, it'll, I think, you know, I think most people see the opportunity in, in pursuing a vertically integrated license, just because you have a foot in each of the main sectors there. And when you establish market dominance, you uh, produce product for yourself, to yourself, um, it, your costs become a lot lower. Um, and your margins become a lot bigger. So that, I think, is just across the board an opportunity that a lot of people like to, to jump in on. Yeah, I agree with Emily. Um, 
with the vertically integrated. And then I also think something that hasn't talked about much is, you know, getting that transporter licenses as well um, within these states. Um, because if, you know, the federal government does decide to decriminalize cannabis, that would help to open up uh, interstate commerce and having those transporter licenses in a lot of these states um, allows you to also, if interstate commerce does open up, to be able to deliver um, outside of that state um, and across state lines, which I think is something that is important for people to uh, consider when, when moving forward with um, getting their applications is to consider that transporter license as well. Okay, I think that's all the questions that we have for now. Does anybody have any final thoughts? You know, this is a thought I, I think I provide every time we have a podcast, Adam. And that's, and that's really, if you're looking to get started in a market, don't wait until the license round opens. Start now. Your competition is has started yesterday. Um, you know, Alabama is a great example. Like Corey had mentioned, the bill is passed. We're expecting movement in an application round here in the next few years and uh, more defined regulations and things like that. But your competition, the ones who are your, you are going to be competing against for a license, they're starting now. Um, they've started yesterday. So if you want to have a competitive shot in this industry, especially in these southern states as they're introducing their programs, have a hand in advocacy, get started with a consultant, um, get your strategy in order, get your team together, uh, and, and go about this in a very methodical approach. But if you wait, um, you, you really don't have a strong chance of winning a license. Good point, Emily. Anyway, thanks everybody for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in today and listening to our podcast. For information on how to follow the Higher Enlightenment podcasts, please be sure to check out the description below. You'll receive all the latest and greatest podcast news and announcements. We'll also let you know when we release new episodes. If you'd like to be a guest on the Higher Enlightenment podcasts or have ideas about upcoming episodes, please be sure to check out the description below. For information about sponsorship or advertising on the Higher Enlightenment podcast, please call us at 844-HIGH-YIELD. That's 844-H-I-Y-I-E-L-D. Or visit our website at higheryieldsconsulting.com. Thanks, have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon.